welcome. This is Mibbit Marketing and I am your host, Rachel Claver. I love helping small business owners become more confident and more capable with their marketing. So this podcast is all here to help you do just that. It's me and the help of some great guests helping you learn new skills, new strategies and ideas. Let's jump in and get started. Welcome to episode 60 of Mapit Marketing. I'm your host, Rachel Claver, and I'm also the person talking to you. We're going to talk about storytelling today because it is something that I am so completely passionate about. I love it. I have been to the um, here and back with the fact that it's become like this catchphrase or word that people tend to use really badly often, um, but I'm really passionate about it. But before we jump into talking about that, I do want to just say, hey, I tell quite a lot of stories myself in my book, Be a Spider Builder Web. In fact, the story in there is a story that I told in the first or second episodes of Mapit Marketing Podcast around the rise, the rise and the fall and then the rise again of our business identify. Plus, it's got lots of other stories in there about client stories, analogies and other ways that have ha- that helped tell the story of how to create a content web. So I've used some of the things and the lessons I learned while writing that book to talk about that today in this podcast. As always, if you love this podcast, please do rate and review it. It helps other people trust it. And we do have a few other podcasts that we've done over the last year that are around stories that like we've done one around how storytelling affects the brain, which was really early in on the days, and another one around the seven steps of storytelling. There are a few other ones to do, plus a great one around um, an amazing woman from Curvature um, Clothing, Lisa, around how she's used storytelling and in Instagram stories to make sales. And her stories are amazing. So without further ado, Let's start with how to use storytelling in your marketing. The human brain is hardwired for stories over facts. And this is actually the secret of all conspiracy theorists, politicians, and cult leaders since forever. If you can tell a story, you can change a mind. Now, I just want to make clear, I am not suggesting that you go and start a cult. Uh, But I do want you to think about how you craft stories for your business that help you attract your ideal clients and help them to trust enough to buy from you. There are a few hooks, ironically, hooks is one of the things we use for stories. There are a few hooks is like not great hooks involved with learning to tell stories. We don't want to move deep into manipulation. They shouldn't promise something that you can't deliver and you've got to write it for the listeners yourself. Now, that doesn't mean that your story is always about your listener. The story can be about you, but you've got to think about the points of connection through that story that help them understand and connect with you. I'll give you an example. When I tell my story about the rise and the fall and rise of Identify, there's a moment in the story when it's pretty sad and it's pretty terrible. There's two. But one of them is when I start talking about how I've created this huge machine of all these people I have to pay and all these mouths I have to pay and I'm feeding in clients and pushing them through to my team because I need to keep going. And I have this pause when I tell that story most of the time. And if I'm speaking in front of a group of people, I'm like, do you know what that feels like? That feeling of just having to have all that weight of responsibility of you, of having those employees, I'm messing it up now, but having that on you and having to feed them and look after those people that have entrusted you with employment but the business isn't working. And there's this moment, there's this moment where even if I don't ask that, 
where there's this, oh, I know that feeling. And it's not for solopreneurs, it's definitely for people that are employed, but that one is that feeling. There's another moment in there where I talk about how when everything's going really bad and awful, and it's kind of funny, I go, you know, that's what I do what every business owner would do, which is I go back home, I get into bed, I put the duvet over my head, and I don't want to leave the bed. I just decide I'm going to stay there. And it often makes people laugh, but there's this truth in there of, yeah, we know what it's like. Sometimes businesses are tough. And so we want to tell the story knowing that we're trying to connect with the person that we're talking to. So you can still be talking about yourself, but you want to have it talking to the person. I want to draw out those people because I want to be able to work with those people to help them not have that cycle anymore. So it motivates me to do that. So we want to make sure that we don't move deeply into manipulation, which we said before, we're promise, promising something you can't deliver. So I'm not a fan of the look at me, I'm amazing kind of storytelling, because that's often promising something you can't consistently develop, unless you are 100% amazing all the time. So you want to think about making sure that it's not like an outlier. Like I could spend time talking about how I worked with this famous person here or this really amazing huge company here or you know this multinational here. But reality is most of the time I work with small business owners. So telling you about the time I work with that multinational company is really not going to help you see how I can deliver for you. So I need to always write for the listeners, not yourself, which does seem to sometimes mean that you have to leave out some really cool stuff, which sucks a bit, but it's okay. I'm fascinated about the power of storytelling. I'm also aware that corporate businesses have often taken this word and made it so far removed from true stories. I have lost track of how many workshops I've seen about storytelling for your business, storytelling for leadership. I shouldn't be so sarcastic because I'm obviously going to probably run one of these at some point too. But it's, it's made it often so far removed from true story to a point where I do have sometimes get past that whole thing of, oh, here we go. They're talking about storytelling again storytelling has to have some constructs around it stories need a beginning and a middle and an end we need to have a purpose and a point of place of where we start and it's a journey we need to have a middle bit which is where we hit against that wall and we just can't get past it and the struggles and the terrible thing and will I ever get through this and then we have that resolution that miracle that finish that point of suffering that has brought us to this place of joy or a place of loss but we need to have a beginning and a middle of an end they need conflict and drama and a central character who's fighting a battle that potentially only you only you their partner their coach their inspiration can help them with and even if it's a story about you you can be that coach to yourself you can have someone else who helps you with this in there too and together you take on the mountain together that is what storytelling is like and in business that is powerful in this podcast, I'm going to share with you what I love about storytelling, the power of telling a story, tell, story, tell, story well, and what it needs to include. Because there's one thing I know, stories are powerful when we use them in our businesses. So let's just talk a little bit about the power of storytelling. So um, the power of stories. So the first thing is, and the reason that I think stories are really amazing, is they help people stay engaged. When we use facts, Sometimes a fact can be really, really amazing. You know, like I've got a fact that I know about um, 
oh, I don't know, any facts, like, you know, like 8% of the world or, or is it 8% of the world or 12.5% of the world, one-eighth of people are, are left-handed or something like that. And there's like a weird fact, because um, I used to want to, I'm left-handed and I was like, cool, I'll just marry someone with left hand, who's left-handed and we'll all have left-handed children. It'll be like this magical left-handed family. And then you, you have genetics and you discover that that's not true, that even if you're both left-handed, you still only have a 25% chance of having a left-handed child, which is deeply disappointing um not that there's anything wrong with right-handed people i'm the only left-handed person in my family i'm definitely not going to have a go at you guys for being right-handed you're okay but you know like those facts are kind of cool and sometimes they stick especially if they're like a weird one about a meerkat or about a sausage or something you know but stories stick stories help us take what we already know and we attach the story to that and it makes us make sense of things a little bit stories help us build trust with someone because often if a story is told well people can see themselves in the story in one part or another they might see themselves as a central character they might see themselves as the victim who's being lifted up they might see themselves even as the coach or the guide that's helping them walk through this process and so people will see and identify with that I've just recently watched something on Netflix and it's a true life story about some corrupt police in Baltimore and it's a story, I can't remember the name of it, um, terrible, terrible person to talk about this right now. It's because I didn't write it down. Um, but one of the things I found really interesting about it was one of the lead characters I actually actively disliked and it's a brave thing to have a main character something that is dislikable. But actually I found the whole story was almost impossible to watch even though I found it deeply interesting because every time he came on screen I felt so much anger and frustration that I just could hardly watch it and so we want to have a character if you've got a nemesis you want to make sure that that nemesis is not someone that it, that you want the person to identify with we want to be able to have a storyline and a I guess a hero or the main central character needs to be someone that people can go oh I kind of see myself in that a little bit so we want to have that as part of that. Stories can change minds where facts can't. It's amazing how often people will know, be able to read a fact, an actual fact, but then be told three stories that counteract that fact and they'll believe the stories over the fact. And that's because personal experience and that need for understanding the human condition and who we are will often far outweigh science or facts. And we've seen that happen over the last few years. Boy, have we seen that happen. And you might be listening and be someone like, hey, I think she's saying something I don't agree with here. Regardless of how you feel about this, on both sides, storytelling happens. No matter what side you're on, the power of a story will work well. And often people who are logical have, you know, like really good arguability and be able to like go, hey, this is how it should happen. If that is on one side and you've got a storyteller on the other, the storyteller will always win. And if you're competing against a storyteller, you don't go and compete with facts. You compete with your own story. It's the only way that you can get win over another storyteller is to tell a better story. We're going back to the cult thing again, or political leaders or anything else that's in there. So we want to make sure that we use story. Story helps people interact with us and understand us better. It helps people understand the humanity of us and see us in a slightly different way. It also helps people understand themselves. They get this, ah, oh, moment. I'm not alone. 
I think one of the most powerful things to me recently is I've been um, having a, a health journey that I've been following and I started my own little TikTok account for that that's separate to my business one. And let me just say, this account is like so much more successful than my business one. <laughs> oh, so much more successful. But one of the things I find really fascinating is I'm enjoying telling my story and having other people go, huh, that was my experience. Or, huh, if you did that, maybe I could have that experience. And one of the things I was talking about was I'm, you know, I'm currently going through this phase of, you know, specific um, dietary restrictions currently. And I was like, hey, I'm actually finding this quite easy. I'm quite enjoying it. And there's all these people going, if you find it easy, I can find it easy. Now, I don't know who they are. I've never met them before. But there's this idea of understanding this around this sort of thing, around if someone else has done it, I can do it. And they've also gone, oh my gosh, I think I understand now why I struggle with this. If I share a struggle, they see a struggle. And it's one of the reasons where, especially if you're in the coaching, you're in the leadership, you're in the kind of in that kind of thought leader space, it's so important for you to share your own battles and struggles and journey because it helps people see when I come to you, I'm going to trust that you're going to take me seriously, that you're going to treat me with respect because your story relates to me. When it comes to a brand, our stories can be uh, more nostalgic you know if you're selling something to do with food you can tell stories about food from your childhood so you help evoke that natural story there's lots of ways to do this right but we want to have stories that help people understand you or your brand better and help people understand themselves stories also remove obstacles there's often things that are going to stop that person from wanting to relate with you and interact with you and these stories remove barriers of wanting to do that a good story can make a huge impact years ago I was living in Sydney and I had graduated from teachers college and then gone over to do a music course I had an idea that I would be a singer <clears throat> And I thought I was going to be famous. Um, so I went and did a year at a performing arts college and um, ended up working in a bookshop, as you do, a toy shop. And um, one of the things that happened during this time is I was prepared to never teach. And I went to a movie called Mr. Holland's Opus, um, which had a guy called Richard Dreyfus in it. And it's a story about a man who has a deaf son who's a music teacher and this battle between like this whole thing about how his son can't appreciate his music and stuff and how he kind of throws himself into his music and he's creating this opus, this big piece of music. And then eventually he discovers that finding a way to connect with his deaf, deaf son is related to this. But it's this whole story about how his teaching over those years and all that time we just didn't feel like it was connecting changed all these other people. And at the end of this movie, I'm sitting in the movie theater and everyone else has left. And I'm just sitting there doing that ugly cry. You know, the one where the snot is coming out of your nose and your eyes are all red and puffy and you're <laughs> that kind of feeling. And, and people don't know, I went with friends. I went with my then husband as well. And they're like, what is going on? And I, I was like, I, we have to move back to New Zealand. <laughs> And I have to go back to teaching. And it changed my entire life. One story. Because it removed all these obstacles. And it made me see what I wanted to do. And it made me see this thing of, I want to have that feeling. That's the power of stories. 
Stories also help people learn. I tell lots of analogies. Uh, my book, Be a Spider Builder Web, is a whole book of analogy, but there's a whole lot of other analogies in there. There's the two minute noodles and the dress analogy. There's the one about um, being a heifer as a runner, but not as a marketer. There's always little analogies or stories and they help people learn. And weirdly, they also help people remember facts. We talked about facts before. If you want to teach facts, you teach them within a story because that's the way that people understand them and learn them and they can piece them together with their own understanding. The other thing that's crazy about stories is that imagined experiences are processed just like real life experiences. Mind-blowing. This is, again, why often conspiracy and conspiracies or consp um, conspiracy theories, it can grow and people have such a huge believability rate around it because people truly believe that a story is real. They It feels real. If they have an emotional connection to it, it actually becomes part of their real experiences. And it's, it's like, you know, dreams that are vivid, you know, my poor husband on a couple of occasions where I've had a dream that he's cheated on someone knows that that next day, he's got to be very kind to me, even though there's no truth in it whatsoever. And it was just a dream, um, you know, or I want to cuddle my dog. If something goes wrong with the dog in a dream, it feels like a learned experience. It feels like a real experience. So we want to make sure that, that we allow people to, to evoke emotion when we're telling a story. I don't know about you, but, you know, every now and again, a big company will do like a Christmas ad or something, and you actually feel connected with that ad and connected with the characters, and you remember stuff about that product or that service because of that experience. Um, you know, often stories can often help add meaning to us as well and help us make sense of the world. And I know for me with marketing, I personally have an issue with marketing jargon. I struggle with marketing jargon. But when I tell a story and I can explain marketing pro processes or concepts or systems or ideas in a story format, I know it makes it easier for me to break down fears and barriers that stop people from understanding it. So it's so important. Um, and we want to create some order. We want people to have belief and learning in what we're doing and be open to things, and a story does that. So if you think about all those different things, imagine the impact of creating a story that helps people understand that it breaks down barriers, it removes obstacles, it teaches facts in a fun way, it helps people stay engaged with you and want to come back again, it builds trust in you, it helps people change their minds and want to connect with you, it helps people learn. When you see that, imagine what the impact for your business can be. So we talked before a little bit about how the story needs a beginning, a middle, and an end. And so when you're thinking about what a story is that you're going to be, and I, I actually re recommend as much as possible that you tell stories from your real life and then use them as an analogy. Um, one of the ones that I did a, a while ago was I did, a, did one around... Um, perception of ourselves and perception of our bodies because often you know when I'm talking to people about video they have fears and problems and um, for a while back I was doing a lot of swimming and I had a bunch of really great friends they were all in their 80s and I'm just going to say that the day I learned to swim faster than my 80 year old friends I was like hey look I came home and I was like you know I 
I lapped, I lapped the others today and Rod, my lovely husband said the 80, right? And I'm like, rude, rude. Let's just, let's, let's be honest. I ran, I swam faster than, but they were pretty amazing. Like one of them was 88 and she was swimming a length per year. So like every, uh, like per her years. So she was doing 88 lengths a day, five times a week. I mean, amazing. But I did the story around how they talked about their bodies and how they kind of relaxed around that and how they just whipped all their clothes off and felt completely relaxed doing that. And how there's this thing around this freedom of just being in the moment who you are and chatting without feeling like you're chatting, going, oh my gosh, I just need to cover myself here or things like that. And how obviously we don't want to be naked in front of the camera. How when we're in front of the camera, if we just see it as a conversation where the person on the other side is just going to accept who we are and talk to us without going oh my gosh what is that weird thing on your chin it changes the way that we do video and it's quite a big idea because it's it's talking about nudity and old people and there's probably these visuals of people going oh my gosh my head please don't let me think about that but it helps people remember the story and it has that beginning and, and part of that beginning side is helping when you're telling that story and that's just like me thinking about everyday life um I've told stories about thinking about things like putting the washing on or the dishes not being done or walking and it's suddenly pouring with rain and then a rainbow appearing. These are simple stories, but they help you explain a process or, a, or something, a concept that helps me build trust with you. And of course, there's this whole thing around origin stories and telling the story of the business and all that sort of stuff. Look, I love those and I think they're great, but I think that this, what I'm trying to talk about here is the everyday stories, because these are things that give you an opportunity to tell stuff naturally and organically on your social media posts, on your, on your Instagram stories, um, when you're connecting with people, and they're great ways for you to see what, what fact am I sharing now? What thing am I wanting people to listen to? So when you tell these sort of stories, one of the things I always recommend is think about where you are in the beginning don't just go this is a story that's going to teach you this fact because that's really boring think about how you're going to put us in a place of where you're at it might be that you're sitting on a bench and it's looking like it's about to rain like starting a sentence of that like it's, I'm sitting on a bench and it looks like it's about to rain I'm sitting in a car and I'm too scared to walk into the building I'm um I'm out for my morning walk and suddenly the clouds separate and I can see this beautiful blue sky. When we start with a beginning that puts people in a frame of place, it's great. One of the stories that I am practicing and want to tell is the story of when I first felt shame. And that story actually starts not at the beginning um, of the story, because I'm going to put some background in, but I start the beginning at a little bit at the end, which is, I'm lying here on the floor with half my body under the sofa and the other half sticking out. And it's the first moment that I feel shame. You can see that that beginning helps people go, oh, what's happening here? You don't know how old I am. You don't know why I'm halfway under a couch. You don't know any of those things. But you also know that there's probably a time for most of you that you felt shame. So there's a connection already. So we want to have this beginning that helps people see where we are and picture it. You can picture that. And look, your picture might be of me as a 45-year-old woman stuck halfway between a sofa. And soon I'm going to tell you that I was only four. 
and where I am and all those other things, but you will shift your brain and it will make you visualize things as I tell that story. Our middle part of the story is a crisis. And I've kind of put my crisis there, but there's actually a bigger crisis earlier, later on that I want to talk about. And that crisis point is this thing where we're blocked or there's something that we struggle with and we need to know how to get over that. And sometimes we need someone else to help us or it might be time that's going to help us or environment that's going to help us or ourselves. And then we have this lovely resolution at the end that we're going to share. And I think one of the biggest mistakes with the end part is we often want to try and tell people the lesson that they're meant to be learning. We're not meant to do that in a story because a story is, you know, unless you're doing like a, a cautionary tale, if you talk about Little Red Riding Hood, you know, it's got a beginning, a middle and the end. And probably there will be people who'd say, and that's why you shouldn't walk through the forests at night. And that's okay. But actually the story stands without having to do that. Removing this need to tell you what the moral or the reason of the story is at the end is part of trusting that the reader is going to be able to work it out for themselves or the listener is going to be able to talk to them about itself. So you need to really think about that. And when we tell our stories from our real life, it is so important for us to be vulnerable. And what I mean by vulnerability is that authenticity is one of those things that I use quite a lot. But I believe that vulnerability is a deeper level of authentic and what I often mean by authentic. Vulnerability is me not always expecting that you have to see me in the best light that I can tell you of a battle that I've won or a journey of something I've learned, but to teach you that, to show you that, to help you understand that I can understand you and have grace for what you've done because I've got this and I've probably been far worse. I'm going to have to show you some of my shame parts. And so when we talk about that thing of me being a four-year-old under a couch, first seeing shame and hearing shame, if I don't tell that story, in some ways, the shame is still inside me. And this is the vulnerability thing, is quite often the most powerful stories we have do come with a little bit of shame because we make mistakes. And it's how we've learned from those mistakes and what changes we've made that creates the power. You know, part of our story identifiers, we did a terrible job when we first started at looking after our customers. A terrible job. I also built a business that was really broken and I picked wounded ducks all the time. I, I wanted to fix everyone I worked with, you know, and so I picked people and say, I want to work with you. And, and really, you know, I was trying to squish them into a hole that didn't fit them and then that created problems. And those aren't their fault, it's mine. And I think that's the other thing with, with telling these stories is that you have to make sure if you're telling a story that's quite personal and it involves other people, that you really in your head get right about whose fault things are and never lay that blame of fault on somebody else. I have definitely had times in the last 10 years where I have been processing pain and hurt and other things and telling the story has been healing for me but not a great story for me to tell for my business. Because of course, you know, when you're going through some of this upset stuff around clients or staff or business dealings or whatever it is, when you're first in it, you can feel this real 
anger or resentment or hurt towards the other party. But the story only becomes powerful when you only hold your own pain and you release the other person from having to have a responsibility for that. And I think this is this thing of our stories become powerful when we're vulnerable, but when we're not pointing the finger of blame at anybody else. And I think that's key. The central character doesn't need to be ourselves, but I think it's good to start with personal story. The central character could be a past client that you've worked with um, and you're illustrating how you've helped them. The central character could be a dog. If it's telling a story and illustrating something, I told a story um, earlier on the year, I did a photo of my dog. He's got great object permanence and he's got this squeaky toy that he's absolutely obsessed with. And we've had to hide it in a cupboard and we tried to hide it on a bookshelf, but he literally would just spend hours trying to jump up to get this high thing. So we've put it in a, in a cupboard and one day the cupboard opened quite recently he saw it there. So now when he's having a bad day, he just goes and cries in front of that cupboard. But we talked about how he loves that toy. Like he loves that toy. And he, he wants that toy. And he looks after that toy. But when he has the toy, which he thinks is his prize and the thing he really wants, when he has that toy, all that happens is he can't trust anyone else around it. He guards it. He looks at the other dogs. He stresses out. And so this thing that is his prize, the thing he really wants, the thing he really feels he needs, creates the biggest anxiety for him. I mean, that's a cool story, right? And that's a story about my dog. So you don't have to tell a story about yourself, but you do need to think about who the central character needs to be and think about who they are. A story that's a good story is going to evoke a recognition inside ourselves of, oh, I feel like that might be about me. You know, it's kind of like that, you're so vain. You probably knew the stories about your songs about you. You're so vain. It's like that. Um, or one of my old favorites, Clean Me Softly. I heard I heard he sang a good song. Um, I heard, you know, and then it's basically like, and then I heard him sing my letters and, and sing them all out loud. And I've read my letters and sing them all out loud. And I feel like, She's not saying he, she ever saw, he ever saw his letters. What he's saying, she's saying is his human experience that he's talking about is mine. And how did he know that was me? That is the power of a story. I believe every business owner has stories in them that can be told. I believe every business has have stories in them. And often we're so scared not to show those fragile parts of us, those vulnerable parts, but if you can tell the story of how you tried to do something and then you failed or almost failed or almost broke you and then you rose back up, that story, that story is worth telling. I hope that's been helpful to you. Um, I love stories. I'm going to tell you very quickly. Um, obviously, first go and buy my book, Be a Spider Builder Web, if you want to have a whole lot of stories to explain content marketing, because that's what it is. Uh, but also, I, I want to highly recommend another podcast to you. It's called The Moth. I'm obsessed. It's uh, The Moth is a speaking, a storytelling competition or event, and it's been going for ages all over the world. And The Moth has a whole lot of people telling their stories. And, you know, some of them I feel can't turn off that little bit of moralistic and this is why you need to hear this at the end. And I always, when I hear it, I go, ah, I want you to listen and listen to the people who tell you a story that makes you laugh or cry or have that emotional feeling and think, 
what about this story made me connect with this person and learn something about them and listening to other people's stories read stories follow other storytellers and don't be afraid of telling a story and if you'd like to come and be part of the Mappet group I'm on Facebook do come along Mappet Marketing and if you love this podcast please rate and review it subscribe so you can listen to some more episodes Next week um, is a great interview with one of my favorite artists, Greg Strait, about that balance between commercialism and art and his journey to become a full-time artist. I hope you enjoyed and I will see you next week. If you love what you heard today, be sure to hit subscribe. And if you love this episode in particular, I'd love it if you shared it on social media. Remember to tag me in so I can say thank you. Have a great week and we'll talk soon.